0: The following podcast contains strong language and content that some may find offensive. I know, right? Bring it on, huh? You've been warned. Intensely Inquisitive, the podcast that searches for answers to life's big and not so big questions from the people qualified to give them with your host, Orion Kelly. Hi, hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen to Intensely Inquisitive. I'm Orion Kelly. At the core of this podcast is a desire to understand things on a deeper level, to know more and to ask why my purpose is to empower people with knowledge education and growth opportunities through open honest and inquisitive conversations in this episode we explore the topic of radio and ask the question how can radio survive in a digital online and on-demand era to be clear radio and broadcasting in general is a genuine and deep love of mine i started working on air and community radio when i was 12. I got my first job in commercial radio at the age of 17 doing the breakfast shift at 4VL Charleville. It's a long way from home. To date, in my 24-year radio career, I've had the privilege of doing what I love all over Australia, and I'm still going. I love radio. But at least for me, the medium in its current state has pushed me into other outlets like podcasting, to do what I got in radio to do, which is to entertain and emotionally engage an audience, to create lasting memories and connections with the audience. To discuss the future of radio, I am so grateful to be joined by one of the greats. My guest, Bernie Britton, is an Australian radio legend. Bernie has worked in some of the biggest radio stations in Australia, in a career spanning over 40 years. Bernie, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. It's great to see you again. It is great to see you too, mate.
1: It's been uh, a long time. I mean, you've done so many things since you got back from Perth to Melbs. Yep, yep. And it really should be me interviewing you, because... (laughs) You have a much more exciting uh, last 10, 12 years than I have had.
0: Oh, you've, I mean, lived a childhood dream of mine, which is living in the States. The States is is
1: fun. The States is very interesting. And uh, we enjoyed uh, living there a lot. My wife is from California uh, and... uh, she lived with me in Perth for about nine years prior to that, and then she said, let's, uh, you know, and I was like, yeah, I think I can do that. And look, I had a very good time, but, you know, I could go into great detail about how it changed after the orange-haired clown got in. Yes. You know, by magic, the house went on sale that day. Unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So it was, it was a, u-
0: a universal sign.
1: Yeah, I, absolutely, a for sale sign.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it got you there. Well, this yeah. doesn't, isn't it funny how life works like that? Doors yeah. open up. Yes, exactly. Or as we say in radio, one door closes, another one slams in your face. <laughs> From my point of view, it's, it's great to talk to you about uh, a topic that's near and dear to our, our hearts, obviously radio. Kind of our life was built on radio. Now, you're a naturally funny guy and you're a creative guy. Well, that's my opinion, okay? So I'm saying it is. Okay. Uh, I've worked with you and alongside, you know, I and I can tell you. Uh, I wish, um, you know, I kind of had that that sharpness. I admire it. Now, were you always a natural entertainer, and how far back can you actually remember, you know, that wanting, that urge to make people laugh? At my auntie's house in suburban
1: Glen Iris here in Melbourne when I was about four, Okay, my Uncle Alan, uh, Uncle Alan auntie Mary, Uncle Alan was a Camberwell counsellor mm-hmm. and he was running against a guy and I think the name was McCorby, okay. to be honest. <laughs> and McCorby had a conversation uh, with him in front of me one day And the next day, I was walking around sounding like this guy, McCorby, and they were, like, stunned. And I was kind of – I remember being kind of slightly stunned myself because I absolutely stepped out of me and started being this guy that's in his 40s pontificating about stop signs and red lights and shit in Camberwell. (laughs) And I was four, I swear. And so that's the beginning. Later on in life, um, I I, I was at school and the bullies would round me up – Yeah. Bail me up on the oval and go, you know, mate. Do your impersonations. Yeah, we'll smoke your fucking head in. Yeah, you know. I mean, so I, I was actually uh, bullied into being an impersonator at school. So I would entertain the class with this, with the teacher or something, while yep. the teacher was out. And
0: do you find though that um, through your life, uh, humour has been something that you know that's been very dear to you because it has got you th- either out of situations or through challenging situations?
1: Yeah, definitely. the uh, The disarming of humour is a st- Astonishingly powerful. I've used it... in a sense of like uh, getting myself out of trouble with the police when they pulled me over as a young man, I've uh, you know used it in a, a mountain of uh, what's the word negotiation situations. When yes, you're negotiating for for money or something like that or whatever. You know, you just you goof off. Um, I yeah. I, I, look, it, it's it's uh it's quite remarkable how you really can leap forward mm. and change the attitude. You know, I was I was in this United States uh, as I say the last twelve years and um, a couple of years ago I. My GP said, I want you to go and get your heart checked out. So I went and saw saw this guy called Dr. Roger Duber. And Roger's a pretty straight guy. He's, uh, you know, from uh, Ohio, and uh, he likes uh, baseball and that kind of thing. And, well, Bernie, we're going to talk about your heart today. And, uh, you know, so, I, I, you know, okay, great. So we, we were doing the thing, and, uh, you know, and and, uh, and he would check me up every three months. Everything was fine. In the end, it was all. And so uh, we, we sat down, and he, he'd go through this list every time with me, and he'd go, okay, let's uh, go through some things here. Uh, exercise? i go, yeah, some yoga, and I'm uh, working at the gym, and I walk, and okay. Uh, any alcohol? And I go, nah, it's a bit early for me, doc. Help yourself. He, and he pissed himself laughing. He completely was disarmed. Yeah. And it's kind of from that time on that the whole thing's all he – he'd come and go, hey, here's my buddy boy. He'd yeah. whack me on the back, you know, all that sort of stuff. And it's all light. And I, I always remember a friend of mine, still my friend to this day, Ward Everard, one of my closest friends uh, and mentor, he, was, um, he always said to me, mate, keep it light. Yeah. Just keep it light. You can't beat it. As soon as you push that brow down and get – forward and you know mm. if you, and, I, and i also think orion it's energy yes what are you thinking when you approach me and so yeah that, what is that so when i'm going to the pharmacist i don't want to sound like i'm some bloody you know lord of um social uh graces but if i go to the pharmacist or something like that mm. you know i'll go hey how are you my friend how you doing mm. you know i mean that's and and instantly everyone's in but if you go and go yeah, just need that, Phil.
0: You get better service, you get better reactions. People deal deal but with you like. But it's better for
1: your insides. Absolutely. it's not even a case of me getting a a bit of a wink and a discount, or I'll throw that in a packet of Panadol in or something. I don't know. <laughs> but it, you know, which, of course, I, I'm always scrounging for Panadol. You know, I'm always uh, on my hands and knees just looking for it that. It rubs off though, right? What oh. you put out. Well, look, if you can chop it up and uh, oh, sorry, what no, no, about? sorry, sorry. I'm yes, yeah, about. no, that's right. Um, but uh, so uh, yeah, it affects your memory too. Where were we? <laughs> Did your family find you funny? Uh, Yes and no. I I, uh, grew up in an interesting family, Orion. Um, It was a a very violent and uh, confronting and uh, stressful environment. And um, I think funny was my reflex and my defence. Okay. And uh, so when I would engage and be funny, I would get attention. I tended to not be funny at home. Okay. Because it really wasn't, it wasn't a funny place. You couldn't just, I mean, you know, the, you know when, you, when, you, when your dad smacks up your mum in front of you or something like that, it's, you just don't go, uh, you know, I've got to put a boom tush on that, you know, because it's just yes. so heartbreaking that you don't really venture. So I escaped into the comedy outside the house.
0: Yeah. So do you think that's why uh, it resonates with you so strongly when, when you were taught, try to keep life light. Yeah. That's why it resonated with you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. Now, before you got into radio, could you, do you have other jobs? I mean, for me, I literally went from high school to radio. I mean, I worked as a teenager. But what right. about you? What kind of jobs did you have before radio? Well,
1: I know you sold drugs for a while, right? I remember that it's period. It's KFC,
0: seriously.
1: K- oh, sorry, that's what they, they called it in the clubs. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I uh, – look, the very first job, my father died uh, in uh, 1979. I was 15. So I left school at the end of Form 3, which was 14 – and uh, they wanted me to go because I wasn't really, I wasn't a high rating uh, student, and so uh, as we say in radio, and so they wanted me out. So I uh, left at fourteen, and by the time the new school year is up, it's i I'm I'm fifteen. So okay. that's how that worked. And uh, so I left, and my dad died in March. Uh, I, I, I was 15 in January Died in March And my uncle Alex From research Just out past Altham Here in Melbourne Turned up at my house one day And said uh, We're going for a drive And we drove all the way To South Melbourne To the corner of Moray And York Street In South Melbourne Where there was a Bow repairs The super service tyre people Yes Right there and I went in, the manager's name was Bernie, believe it or not. And uh, Alex said to me, Uncle Alex said, uh, This is your new job. And I went, well, uh, well, I don't know. How do I? I've never done tire fitting. How am I going to do so this? So you, you did the technical stuff. I did everything, and I was taught to do alignments. Wow. Yeah, the guy that did alignments, he, he said, It's a six week course, but I could probably show you in a couple of hours. <laughs> And so we, we d- he showed me how to do alignments. Uh, so we, we, we did a lot of uh, goofing off. I remember one day we, we used to put tyres on, com- uh, on a car company called Rent-A-Wreck and they had, you know, old shitty cars. Yeah. And they had like a, uh, for some unnamed reason, a, a five-year-old uh, uh, Eldorado Cadillac, this white convertible. They brought it in. They did an alignment on it. We did the tyres on it, balanced the tyres, balanced the wheels, threw it back out. We are supposed to take it for a test run. No one's around. I took it, took it out myself. <laughs> And I'm like 15 driving around South Melbourne <laughs> in a 215 foot <laughs> a boat of a car. But anyway, please, I digress. That was the only
0: job before radio.
1: No, there's plenty. There's oh. there's more. There's uh, I worked. I was the first uh, employee of Seven Eleven Blackburn. Um, wow. I worked at uh, a little place called Fossey's uh, in uh, Ringwood, which was kind of a departmental store. I worked in. Uh, cl- <laughs> uh, my my mates used to send me up about this, but out at Muralbark is a place called Leo's Shop for Men. Just a stunning name, don't you think? <laughs> you know, shop for Men. Oh, I shop for Men. Hello. <laughs> and so anyway, so I was there with, you know, Not there's anything wrong with that. No, of course and, not. And uh, stop it. But yes. And so, yeah, so we, I worked there and uh, what else did I do? Bloody hell, there's a couple of others in there as well. There's a, oh, there's a, oh, yeah, I worked at Good uh, Goodfellows in uh, East Ringwood as a, like a bag boy and stuff, you know. Yeah.
0: The point I'm trying to make, uh, there's a reason. So aside from, you know, uh, comedians – and reality tv stars the majority of people who get into radio get into radio in effect straight out of high school or uni that's the right. first job they have that, right. this is the point i make in, in modern day radio a lot right. of your radio announcers uh, you know they haven't really had much life experience okay when they get in i now, think you're right this is the reason why i've asked you this question i didn't want to labor the point but you've had you've had a lot of life experience you've worked in a lot of places and i mean places where you've actually got to work hard for money it's yeah. not a lot of money right it's really hard long hours and in fact, it's not really what you will put on the planet to do. It's not your passion. It's not your purpose. It's not your happy place, but right. you just bloody do it.
1: Right. Yes, it is interesting uh, synopsis when you look at it like that. So yeah.
0: for people you know, that are part of radio or even interested in radio, it's an interesting thing, the importance of life experience and radio and how that makes you a better communicator. We'll get to there in, in, in through this conversation, but let's start at the start. So okay. after all that. All you've gone through and all the jobs. How did you even get in into radio? It's a because you've, you've had your jobs weren't leading up to it. So how no, did, how did you how did you get into radio? But also, what drew you to radio? Well, I had an encounter,
1: Um, and uh, I don't want to talk about it. No, no, no. I had an encounter no. when I was thirteen. Uh, I used to use the CB radio, which, which was our internet when we were kids in the seventies and sixties, uh, uh, or seventies really. It was just a hit in the seventies. I uh, met this bloke called Alex Zastera, I think he still works in Murray Bridge, Five Mu, somewhere like that. Um, terrific individual and, and a big, big, big voice like that, mate. And he'd come <laughs> on the CB uh, and he'd go, "Yo, Bernie, how are you, mate? Let's have an eyeball. What do you reckon?" <laughs> and I go, oh, oh it's okay, sounds good, down, Mister S. And so, what you would do is you arrange an eyeball, which means you'd meet the person, but you wouldn't give it your address over the phone, so you were, uh, over the CB. So you met at a, a gas station, service station near his joint or whatever. So we, he picked me up, went to his place, and we sat around for a while. And he said, uh, "Mate, I really think you've got a voice to uh, to do radio." And and, and I was like, uh, "Well." I, Oh, geez, mister, I, uh, I, didn't, I didn't fucking think I did, but uh, yeah, that good as gold, <laughs> mate. Yeah, i have a crack at <laughs> it. I mean, I sincerely didn't think I had – I knew I had a bit of depth because my father's voice was huge, my brother's voice – my brother's voice is like four times deeper than mine. He's not with us anymore, Michael. But, um, you know, Michael's voice was like way down there like this, you know. And so even from a, a young boy. So uh, it was in me. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, so he, he said do it. So, okay – Fast forward, I'm I'm 15, then I'm 16, then I'm 17, and I pass through all those jobs we mentioned earlier, and I'm just uh, 17 and a little bit. And my friend Mark Howie, uh, his father is the operations guy, operations manager at 3AK Melbourne, Bill Howie, and Bill Howie, people in Melbourne who are our generation would know, my generation would know, uh, was quite a, a big hit on the radio back in the day. Anyway, Mark said to me, are "You interested in a job? Because uh, uh, Billy, as he called him." has got an opening at 3 uh, okay you know, and reckons you should come in and was like, oh, oh, jeez, I'll have a crack at that, yeah, you know. My voice is starting to mature now because I'm 17, Ryan. You can hear more of a depth. <laughs> Definitely. And, it's and, growing. Yes, yes. And so... <laughs> so, I don't know. It's really, now I'm getting all... Okay, aggro Jamie Dunn style. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Jamie. Um, so, anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, I went into uh, Channel 9... Which is where 3AK was housed in Bendigo Street, Richmond, and the hallowed halls, and had this interview. And he's like, Yeah, you're in, no problem at all. You know, I wore the chocolate brown suit and everything, and, you know, looked, looked dapper. A uh, 17 year old could. And I got the job. And so I worked in the, the uh, record library there. And then I went into what was called carting, and that's uh, recording onto cartridges, uh, you know, all the ads and the music and stuff like that uh, that were broadcast on the station, and then production. And then
0: I became production manager about 19. That's obviously, uh, you know, a, a time kind Of a journey that got you there when you started talking, you know, on CBs and talking about 3AK, was Was there something that actually drew you into an interest in that kind of in, into radio, or was it just here's a job that that might be fun? What, you know, were you oh, was no, something was, luring you to that kind yeah, of yeah,
1: yeah? That I, I definitely wanted to be uh,
0: entertaining, okay? So, this I, idea to do what you do in. In real life, to people, but to a to a greater amount of people.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. and there was always there was certainly from folks like Alex I mentioned earlier, you know, pushes along
0: the yeah. way. Okay, well, let's let's go through it. We'll take our time. I'd love to hear about this. So the, your journey right through your radio career, all the radio stations you've worked at during your career. I'd love to number one, if you please, whatever you want to share the the stations that you you worked at and sure. and some memorable experiences from from sure. those radio stations. Sure. Let's let's go through <clears throat> the the career.
1: The countdown starts now. <laughs>
0: So it starts Number at Number 10.
1: <laughs> well, at 3AK, 3AK was inside the Channel 9 building. How okay.
0: amazing would that be?
1: Christ, it was unreal, Orion. I believe uh, what you would have seen. Don Lane Show was being shot there. Hey Hey Saturday was being shot there in the morning at that time, people. Wow. Um, also, the Sullivans was being shot there. Uh, they did all their news services out of there and everything like that. I was at the station for uh, about 10 minutes uh, on the first day I started and uh, in walks to the record library, Peter Hitchner, and just goes, uh, hi. Hi, you're the new guy, and I went, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's like, oh yeah, how are you, <laughs> Mister? <Mr>. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, you, you, you're in awe. You don't yeah. know what to say. So Absolutely. that goes on, and uh, you know, I have just a quick little GDB nine story is. Going into the the famed Channel Nine canteen that you always heard John Blackman shit can on uh, Hey Hey Saturday Forever, but I went in there one day and uh, I, I you know within a couple of weeks of me starting there and Don Lane walked in behind me and went around behind the counter and started making a sandwich. He's going Hey, I'm going to have a whole meal or I'm going to have a wait whole meal, wait whole meal, wait. What are you going to do, kid? What am I going to do? And I go Oh, no, oh, no, oh no. and you know we goofed off and I was like Christ, I've just been. St- you know, yeah, jamming, as it were, with with Don Lane. Nuts, crazy. Bert Newton, Daryl Summers, everyone running around. It was nuts. That is amazing, though. Yeah, oh, extraordinary. I would have an ID. I had my 3AK ID. I'd go anywhere in the building, anytime, anywhere, up to control, live, whatever. And uh, I'd bring my mates in on Saturday morning, and we would go to uh, up to the control room at Channel 9 and watch uh, Hey Hey being done live. Yeah. And I remember the day that uh, Phil Lambert, lucky Phil, Phil Lambert said to me, Bernie, come down, sit in the audience with just your two mates. We're the only audience, obviously. Yeah. And it's the big seat, 300 seat thing. And so we just sit there and uh, he said, we're going to throw to you, just fall asleep. So we just sat there and he went, "A uh, huge studio audience, you know, <laughs> Daryl Summers, and they swung the camera out and we went... <laughs> Just, you
0: know, it's so outrageous, outrageous stuff. Didn't take a photo, can't believe it, but there you are. But in modern day radio, people don't unfortunately get the same opportunity to... To grow and learn and observe and absorb, you know, this caliber, these caliber of people. So it's a, it's a, you know, it's an amazing, uh, it's a, it's an amazing opportunity. You know? And that's valuable. job one. Job one. Yeah, valuable,
1: valuable insight, mate. I tell you, I was so pumped and I had so much encouragement, so much support, and uh, they even paid. Three AK paid for me to go to Lee Murray's radio announcing school. Amazing. Which was just a gesture of niceness. Because they were going to lose me as a result of doing that, which they ended up doing, you know. Um, so, uh, you know for, so I do that. I'm at 3AK all that time till 1983, and then I go to 3SR Shepparton, um, and after sending out tapes everywhere and stuff, which naturally I made at the production studio at 3AK, so yep. that was, you know, like a perfect tape, you know. Because, <laughs> I mean, like, you know, i get a PD calling me from Charleville or something and kind of go, mate, I've got to tell you, that, uh, that tape, that's fucking good, mate. It's really good quality. You um, you, you've got some good stuff down there, mate. Yeah, yeah, good on you. But I don't have a position for you at the moment, Bernie. But just keep keep trying, alright, You know. <laughs> so all that sort, all that sort of it's, shit went on. But I got the job at 3SR Shepparton. I lived in Kangupner, if anyone knows Shepparton, it's about 13k's out of town on a little dairy farm shared, uh, with some uh, Warren and Jenny, who were uh, so gracious to put me up. And uh, I, I I was at Three uh, S R Shep now Three S R Sheppard and at that time uh, now it's down the road on the south end it used to be in the north end and it was uh, next to a a brothel really yeah yeah it was next to a brothel and I remember walking in you come in through the uh, the, uh, the 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 you, you come in the rear way <laughs> Jesus. And, uh, and, and so I, I was coming up the rear and, <laughs> uh, and of course, another a sales rep is walking towards me and it's uh, this guy, Owen Kelly, and he's like, he's going, where are you going, mate? I said, oh, he said no, you're in the wrong fucking driver, mate. That's the massage parlour. And I go, oh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, okay, all right, well, thanks, mate. Uh, so I, then I go into uh, three rear. So, but one of the things, I, my first job on air was 7 to 1 a.m., Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and had Monday and Tuesday off in which I would come to Melbourne.
0: 7 so p.m. to 1 a.m. 7 was, to 1. What a, What an interesting shift.
1: Yeah, I know. Well, the station yeah. shut at 1. Yeah. Okay, so we turned the station off at nothing o- nothing. Yeah, it was yeah. A hilarious because you turned the station off at 1 o'clock and it was 12.60 on the dial and 2SM Sydney, and you know I'm in Shepparton, northern Victoria, 2SM Sydney was 12.69. So you turn us off yeah. and then 12.69, 2SM, cold cash and hot hits, you know, and you're like, oh, wow. my God, it's clear as this. So wow. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. We used to block the 2SM feed from Sydney there. Anyway on Sunday nights, for example, was religious. And so you recall this, uh, you would have seen this in uh, country radio.
0: Definitely, so. definitely.
1: And so most stations will sell the airtime to local religious fraternities and, uh, you know, Lutherans or Catholics or whatever. Sometimes it's in Italian, sometimes in Vietnamese, sometimes it was whatever. So we would play these on Sunday night and they, were, and they were tapes and they were, you know, on a reel-to-reel next to me here in the studio kind of vibe, you know. And so... You would load them up and they went for, one of them was called the Lutheran Hour and it yep. went for half an hour, which I, always astounded me. <laughs> so I put the, the Lutheran Hour on at uh, 7.30. It's
0: hard to time out. If it's, if, it, it's, if it's an hour and it goes for 30 minutes, time I, that out. I know, I know.
1: It, it threw me for weeks. I couldn't come up here till 3am some mornings so because I couldn't quite get my head around how can I get so – this, so this guy would be on, so Jesus is the guy. Jesus is the leap And he would go on with all this sort of stuff. So I sat there one night. And I'd been on air about three months in Shepparton at this time. And I'm like, uh, why don't I order some Chinese? I'll get some Chinese. i get some Chinese. Okay, so I open up the thing, and I know that there's a guy down the road that makes Chinese, and he's still open at 7.30 on uh, Sunday night. So I you know, ring up. and say, hey, how are you going to get a bowl of this and some of that? He uh, said, give me a 20 minutes. Okay, no worries, man. I'll be right down. Okay, cool. So I was sitting there, and it's like it's about – Quarter two. Yep. I go out the front. I've got a 1977 uh, Falcon XC, uh, you know, 4.1 litre cross flow head. Very standard little vehicle. I uh, drive it straight through uh, Wyndham Street and cross through two intersections. Mm-hmm. It's, it's 7.30, quarter to 8 on a Sunday night in a country town. There's nobody around. Yeah. And I pull up at this restaurant and I go in and he's got us on. In the background, I, don't know, I can hear like, a God spoke to the Israelites and he said, go for it. And then it went, oh, no. And he looked at me and he went, that that's not, you. Yeah, he went, "That not good. <laughs> and I went, you're not kidding. And I grabbed it and everything went slow motion around. I got oh, it and I ran out of this restaurant into the car. Got the food though. I got the food <laughs> and all I could think of was getting to the studio. Yeah. I stuck the car in reverse and I floored it and it smoked like crazy and I went backwards all the way to the station I went through two sets of lights backwards on the left hand side of the road pulled up smoke everywhere I thought to myself it's, we're, we're right behind the police station by the way next to the brothel gold and I know and uh, yeah yeah and so uh, I'm sure they were checking their briefs so we would you know, I I I I ran, I ran into the station, but I thought to myself, if well, the cops had pulled me up, I would just go. I would have said, the tape, uh, something happened with the tape. I had it's to get back. Hour. Yeah, I killed two little old ladies reversing at seventy k's down, <laughs> Wyndham Street. But it didn't really matter. I had to get at the tape. And of course, what you do when you put a tape on is it's got a lock thing. So you pull the lock out and you turn, twist it. And I hadn't twisted it. And it rolled off. Yeah, yeah, That was devastating. The other thing that was really devastating is no one said a word about it. Classic. No one's listening.
0: Doesn't that happen, though? That ha- that's, that's the joy of you know of regional radio. You've, yeah. The worst moment in your life is, that oh, the, the next day in the office, no one knows what's going on. Totally- well,
1: we had a thing where, you know, you had gold that you were allowed to play. Gold is like, uh, you know, re- recurrent songs and uh, songs of classic uh, nature and stuff like that. So songs at this time in 1983. There were songs from the late 70s and early 80s. So – the PD would pick out your gold, okay? And he would put an elastic band around it and put your shift on it and then go, seven to one, Bernie, boom. And that's my gun. I do have Chicago or something to play. I, yeah. You know, one every hour. So uh, it's five to one Saturday morning, Friday night shift. Um, I'm wrapping up. I look over at breakfast and breakfast has got, in gold, Little Red Corvette. I go, well, I'm shutting the fucking show with Little Red Corvette. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. You know, I mean, God, it's one o'clock for Christ's sake. I've already <laughs> gone to the Chinese restaurant and not been spotted by anybody going backwards and smoking every, you know. Uh, so I, 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 I grab this thing and I put it on. You take breakfast music and yeah. on Friday night, mind you, so three days before, and, uh, and I close the show with it. And it's rolling and I've got it up really loud, you know. And, and uh, I look up at the thing and the hotline rings. Oh, no. I mean, the hotline is at just one in the morning at five to one. The hotline rings, and so this is uh, this is uh, the line that's going to be the you know, some sort of boss or something. So I pick up and go, Hello, and he goes, Bernie, you're picking your own gold, mate. <laughs> and I went, Oh, I mean, I uh oh, yeah. said, You know what, we'll talk about your future on Monday. And he hung up, oh no, and I shit a barracks around because I thought this is it. I'm gonna get am gonna get whacked from this job because I played the wrong song. You don't think about it when you're 19 years old. No, no You no. think about the the uh, the outcome. Yeah. And so it made no bloody sense for them to fire me. And I went home and, and my farmer mate we're uh, staying on this farm. You know, Warren. Warren I call him, Warren, Wan, Warren, uh, go. What, what are they gonna do, mate? They're gonna bloody. Um, they're gonna They're gonna fire you because you played the the wrong fucking record. <laughs> That doesn't sound right at all, mate. No, they wouldn't do that. I, 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 he was the only one that made sense the whole weekend. I thought I'm going to be fine. I'm yeah. calling mates in Melbourne. One of them's a cop, and I'm like, "Geez, you think I could be a cop?" You know, another one's a real estate guy, and I go, Is there, what, "What sort of money are you get in real estate?" <laughs> Monday morning, nine o'clock. I go into his office. He walks. up. He's sitting there. He's lighting a pipe, and he looks up at me. He goes, "Ah, uh, oh, good day, sunshine. Come in. Don't fuck with the gold. <laughs> Have a good day." <laughs> that was it. But like, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. But it's a scary, scary moment. Um, so uh, you know. So where do they go from Shepparton? We go to Melbourne, to 3UZ Melbourne, which was a uh, at that time a country music station run by Nick Irby and Pete Johns. And wow. uh, that was uh, up and jumping and uh, rooting and tooting. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of Glenn Campbell and a lot of uh, Dwight Yoakum, mm-hmm. a whole lot of things wow, out there. really?
0: That actually happened?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the country. It's like the
0: Howard Stern scene with the country hat in the movie. Yes,
1: yeah. Yeah, I often relate to. uh, Really, that actually happened in
0: Melbourne back in those days. They did kind of an American country. It was called.
1: It was called Melbourne's Melbourne's Country Music Station. Well, there you go. And uh, and and it went off, and we gave uh, Kenny and Dolly the key to the city one day, and all sorts of crazy shit. Wow. So yeah, I worked there. Uh, Was there for, for about two years, I guess. I did breakfast in the end with Jane Kennedy, as we know now, is a, a superstar on the wireless, and uh, a great girl. Just uh, deserves all the uh, all the uh, wonders of uh, her current career because she's just really, really good at it, and um, you know, so that's great for what her. a
0: Strange meeting too. Are you guys doing a breakfast show on a, on a country station? It's
1: yeah, country format station. It was bizarre. It was like uh, we we <laughs> because um, we had to we had to kind of keep it kind of middle of the road and John Deeks who's been a friend of mine since then so some 32 years or something he um you know he was on mornings and uh <laughs> you had to play stuff that was familiar to the audience to kind of t- tackle people like 3KZ and stuff so you didn't play country all the time but they called this a country classic and they played Lido Shuffle okay well, so it, it went it went 3Z Country classic, elito Mister <laughs> boat. and of course Dixie comes about the back of it, laughing his head off. <laughs> three years head country classic, and Jane Kennedy are in the studio, and we just peed ourselves. We didn't even know we didn't know we were in there. You know, I, I do have one quick three years head story. It's yeah. it, uh, I was doing um, uh, six to midnight Saturday night. John Tam, my dear friend, still works in the game in Melbourne, was uh, on after me. I think. Um, and uh, I'm going to go to a party. I'm going to go to a party in Carlton. So I go downstairs. Uh, this is the Elizabeth Street building. And I drive my XC Falcon out to the to the lip of the driveway, you know. And then I get yep. the Malways out and start looking at the Malways going, where the fuck am I going? Drummond Street. i take Drummond down to, no, I'm going to go right to the, okay, okay, okay. And I feel this boom <laughs> at the back of the car, just a, just like that, just a All little right. boom. And so I didn't think any of it, didn't think any of it, nothing significant. So I stick it in drive and I go, <laughs> and it won't move. I'm like, what the, f- is going, on? and so the back wheels start to light up and I'm thinking the handbrake's off, everything's off, and suddenly the car shoots across the road and the roller door has come down between the tow ball and my bumper bar and lodged. Wow. <laughs> and I take off and I tear this asunder to oh, a no. point where it comes out at like 45, 245s. Oh, no. And it's the, this is a seven-storey city building wow. that's open now yeah, just to, the to everybody. So wow. I had to ring the chief engineer at three o'clock <laughs> in the morning. They had to get a security guy to work, the, or two security guys to work the whole place the rest of the weekend. Yada, I see yada, a pattern
0: yada. forming here. Oh,
1: attention-seeking, I think, <laughs> is what it is.
0: <laughs> so that was a that was a direct dismissal, or you were okay? Oh <laughs> no, I was
1: okay after that. Think, see, that's the thing, you know. How is that? I, by the time I got to that stage, I thought yeah. I'm not going to be fired for this. No, it was no, just no. a genuine error. But
0: yeah. I didn't play anyone's goals. I, <laughs> <geez. laughs> I was exactly
1: right. Yeah, I shouldn't be hung for that. So where did you end up next? Three uh, AK Melbourne again. At that time, recognizing me as an announcer, and they were kind of playing like a what they called a light and lively format, sort of like, actually like smooth, okay. exactly like smooth. And so I went over there and did breakfast over there, and John Blackman, who was doing breakfast at Three OK, was swapped with me and went to UZ to do breakfast with Jane Kennedy. So okay. it kind of reversed, yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know what the circumstances were with John leaving OK or anything, but he we, we, we literally did a flip. Okay. Uh, oh, he'd said to me a couple of years before, actually, you said you've always been after my job because I would really love his job at Hey Hey, and I'd always kind of like you know hang around the booth, and and you know he keeps looking at me and go fuck <laughs> off, you know. So in jest of course you know well probably not i mean he followed me home one night and cut all my tires up and stuff But (laughs) anyway mostly he's a pretty even-tempered guy
0: so did you spend a lot of time in melbourne before you kind of branched out to other states i mean it seems like really you were lucky enough not everyone is lucky enough to stay in your kind of home state and your home city it was great actually and i was very reluctant
1: to move to brisbane to go to 4BK, of course. Now it was the greatest move ever because it was a great time. But um, at the time, I really shit myself because we didn't we didn't go on, as they say in the states, vacations or anything like that. When I was a kid, we didn't go anywhere. Yeah, and to leave the state was like it was bad enough going to Shepherd and moved to Shepherd and was like Christ, this is really arduous. I don't even know how I can put this together. <laughs> But to move to uh, Brisbane was really uh, quite an experience and um, at the time Ian Grace, who was a uh, programming guy from a uh, Triple M's network, was pursuing me relentlessly and wanted me to go and work at a Geelong station and said, don't go to Brisbane, don't go to Brisbane. I was having lunch at the La Cafe in Turek with Jane Kennedy and uh, Gracie was at another table and he walked over and said, don't go to fucking Brisbane, mate. I said, well, no, I'm, I'm, the plane's the afternoon." he said, mate, don't fucking go, just, no, 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 I'll put you in, I'll put you in Geelong and we'll work something out, mate, don't fucking go, to, don't go. And you know, it is really interesting time because they were the they were the black hats and we were the white hats. Yeah. Uh you know, the Osterio team were all like squeaky clean and or something. And uh so <laughs> 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 but it was kinda like uh I, I don't know, I always felt like, uh, you know, going over to the dark side if you went over to Triple M. Absolutely. Uh, it was kind of a scary sort of place. But um, either way, I ended up going to Briz and working at 4BK, which became B105. And, um, so I was breakfast,
0: for- was it all? What, what shifts did you do? Pardon I me, mean, that was mornings. Mornings, okay. I did mornings for about 18 months. And okay. then
1: Greg Smith, who was the group PD of Australia, called me up and he said, Pack your bags, you're moving to Perth. And so I moved to Perth um, and worked at the radio station called The Eagle, which wow. was, God, what, who, what is that now? 6IX it is now. Yeah, okay. It was 1080 The Eagle, good times and classic hits. And it was a kind of um, a fill-in station until I could get the FM licence and... got the FM licence. Okay. Uh, PMFM got the FM licence. Right, okay. And we lost it. And so Greg Smith turned up six months after I started that job at breakfast there and said, uh, pack your bags, you're going to (laughs) Adelaide.
0: So six ix is still on the am yeah really, okay yeah. so Adelaide uh, Adelaide so is this is this S A F M is that what it was yeah. called back then
1: yeah okay. yeah and it was and I was replacing John Vincent the great uh, legend on breakfast and I you know I don't even think to this day I was up at the task and I kind of really wasn't but I you know I moved into his spot there and 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 that was scarier than all the triple M's put together for me at that time because S A F M was the crowning. Achievement in the Osterio network. It was you know numero uno. It was the big. It was the big Kahuna, and okay, and everybody was there in the building. Paul Thompson worked in the building there. You know, Greg Smith worked in the building there. Yeah. Uh, you know, Des Dekeen. Everyone that was the national person was in that building. Yeah. and the con- the connection was fabulous. Um, the birth of
0: Osterio in a way kind of was the Adelaide. Yeah, okay.
1: exactly. And the name Osterio comes from uh, my dear friend Helen Moyes, who lives in. Adelaide, and she won the contest a thousand dollars to come up with a name for our new radio group. You kidding? She came up with Austeria. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So uh, she's been out to lunch on that all that time, and I think she still has the original money. I mean, I know her. I'm sure she does. No, I'm um, <laughs> no
0: no. Was that uh, so, was it? Was that a solo shift?
1: My shift in uh, no 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 no. I was on air with uh, Grant uh, Grant Cameron, and uh, who was like a, a legend in the town, and was been on air with Vinnie for like the last ten years. Okay. And there was Mandy Wicks on Reading News. Uh, we had Greg Rees uh, on Sports. So, no, it was it – was, and it was a crew. And, okay. you know, I hasten to add I'm a big Howard Stern fan and it's important that the kids know this. But, you know, the original crews and zoos are born out of Howard Stern, if anyone doesn't already know that. So there yeah. you
0: are. Thought I'd share. So your time in, in Adelaide, mm. uh, you know, you obviously moved away from there. Now, you, all these all these moves – I, you, a lot of these people are tapping on the shoulder. It, right. Has that continued through your career? Have you, or have you, have you always kind of been offered new roles?
1: I've, I've always been offered. I've, I've never had a period where. You decided stuff on. this.
0: I'm gonna. I'm just gonna.
1: Oh, I've had plenty of those. Yeah. <laughs> Shit! But you've been very lucky,
0: haven't you? To, by yeah. the By the sounds of it, to kind of every time it's you know there's there's a there's a chance or an opportunity that you know they're offering it to you. Right. Well, my wife will tell
1: you I'm reactive. So yeah, I mean if uh, yeah, that, <laughs> definitely. But um, yeah, no, that, that 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 does tend to uh, that's pretty much been the whole process the whole time. Did you enjoy your
0: time in Adelaide?
1: I loved Adelaide. In fact, I'm arranging a lunch uh, on election day because I'll be over there um, uh, with a a bunch of us. There's about 25 of us from SAFM going to this big lunch because they're just the greatest people. I had the best time, I think, of my career in Adelaide. Why? Because I was originally engaged and then married whilst there and then separated and divorced whilst there. And I really hadn't encountered this sort of, uh, geez, I don't know, a bit of self-centered freedom yep. uh, that I that I really, you know, I, I I partied really hard after that time for like about probably three or four years or something in, in the end. And, you know, and hung out with the likes of Sean Craig Murphy, quite frankly, waddy, waddy, wah, and, uh, and and go out to clubbing until the wee hours. And uh, Look, I just had the time of my life there, and the station was so oh, – God, I don't know. It was very liberal, you know. It okay. was just a really cool place to be.
0: Where know? to from there?
1: Gold Coast, CFM 90.9. I went to work with Suki Mead, who is still my one of my dearest friends to this day, and uh, I love that girl. And uh, and so we did breakfast together for probably almost a year, and I, yeah, that was a fantastic place. I, I, I mean, I really enjoyed that time. We, uh, I guess, I was thirty-two when I started there, and you know, I had a, an apartment at Broad Beach, and uh, you know, I mean, did it on rented, Jesus. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a magnificent. It was, again, that was a really great time. I really enjoyed my time in, uh, in uh, on the Gold Coast.
0: It's a list. It's an endless list. Yeah, yeah. Where are we off to next? Okay, well, we're going to
1: Perth now. Okay. We're going to Perth in 1996, at the end of 1996, after CFM. We get to Perth and we are uh, uh, breakfast replacing Paul Redmond, and Paul's still my mate today and was a groomsman at my first wedding, believe it or not. We uh, did that for, I did that for about 10 years. What was that on? Uh, it was PMFM then. Okay,
0: so originally PMFM.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and
0: you, you went through the all-new 92.9. That's and, right. And then 92.9. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And so, you,
1: you were there for the all-new, weren't you? Uh,
0: yeah, I was, I, when I when I got there, it had just, uh, it was, is in effect going from PMFM to the all-new. Yes. That's right. Yeah. So. But
1: because it, I would hear your show, and I'd think old stale, you know, I, I wouldn't think, uh, I wouldn't, are you all right? I wouldn't think uh, fresh and new. I've, please,
0: um, please, you were on Perth radio well but for a long time before before I got there, and you, you so you came over to Perth to do breakfast. And yeah, how, how did you enjoy? Because it's, I find number one, I absolutely loved my time in Perth. Yeah, um, but I, I, I think in a way, it's, it's got its own, it's got its own brain, as in the way people, you know digest things and things they love and things they're into it's its own it's its own place. Yeah, yeah. How did, how did you find you know kind of going from where you were the east east coast east coast star you know to to the west coast and kind of slotting into a breakfast shift in this kind of alien country really
1: Yeah, well you're absolutely right. It's quite a stunning place to go first and foremost anyway, but for a job um but, but you know looking back uh I was talking about it very recently with a friend of mine about because I was over in Perth recently, and uh, you know I've been in Melbourne now for uh, about ten months after being in the States all that time, and Melbourne's very cosmopolitan, you yes, know, and yes. uh, and and Perth ish, kind of maybe, but it's a very country town. It's mm. like it's a country town, and there's and the, it, it doesn't have the, uh, the that kind of uh, hustle and bustle, that s- kind of city living, yeah. you know, vibe. And so, I, yeah, I, you know, it was uh, it was an interesting place. Um, but my family is from there. So when I was a young boy, my uh, father's brother moved over there. So there's a, a lot of Britons in yeah. over there in Perth, which was great. And mm. I'm still in, you know, obviously, you know, uh, love my uh, family over there and uh, stay in great contact with them. So that's good. But, yeah, it was um interesting experience. Interesting experience. Well, I mean,
0: and really, you know, you were you were kind of part of so many rebirths And so, you know, so many renames and shows. It's quite extraordinary when when you think about it in this day and age. Usually an entire show is, is taken away and relaunched where, you know, you were kind of part of so many... Shows right. And so many station names. It's quite amazing. People listening in modern-day radio, hang on, what? sorry, sorry, what are you saying? Yeah. Half the show went? Half yeah. the shit. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? Yes,
1: it really is. It's quite extraordinary. The yeah. way it's
0: turned around. Now, we've gone through a, a, a massive career um, as quickly, you know, as uh, as as we can. We Obviously, I'm going to talk about every little thing, but I'm really interested because through your career, you've clearly had influences, you've clearly worked with people that have been, you know, really influential to you. So who are the kind of people that had... The biggest influences on your career, and what what did you what did they teach you? Well, I think
1: I'll start with Ward Everard, uh, who's still my friend today. He's uh, God, he's, he's early seventies, I guess now, but I mean, he, he's a sprightly, powerful guy, and uh, he really took me under his wing. And everyone kind of knew that I was f- fresh from losing my dad, um, and so there was a there was a bit of a unity around me. Bit of, they were they were really lovely to me at three Channel 9 at that time. But Ward was especially, you know, he'd bring me to his house and we'd have meals and stuff, and you know, and his lovely wife Lynette and everything like that. And they've got some kids now, and they're all grown up and crazy, crazy, crazy. But th- so, so I think Ward was really instrumental. Later on, it goes into, uh, I guess, guys like Keith Fowler. Keith Fowler, you know, he's actually okay, Keith. Yeah. <laughs> he's a good guy. You know. <laughs> so Keith's going to kill me for that. <laughs> But Keith's a really good guy and has always been very supportive and has as kind of always uh, – even when I've made decisions that were a little bit you'll uh-uh, go, you know, I'll, I'll stick out with you and, you know, let, let's work through that or whatever. Um, he's been great. Greg Smith was always really great to me. Uh, Ed Breslin, who I work with in Melbourne, I, I've lost touch with him now, but um, was an awesome, awesome guy and, uh, and it was become was a PD at 4BK and B105 originally. You know, jeez, I hope I haven't left anyone out. <laughs> uh, uh, but, you know, I think uh, later on in life I've got, to, you know, Gary Roberts who was incredibly supportive of me and, uh, and we're still really, really good friends now and we still hang out and take the piss out of each other and stuff like that and it's really good fun. But, um, yeah, I th- I, I'd say, uh, Gary, God, if I think of anyone else, can I call you later and you can <laughs> – yeah, I'll call you on the show. Okay. And, um, We'll, we'll, I, can't, I think there are others. Uh, it's really. It interesting. doesn't
0: matter though. The point is, what what, contributed, what, what contribution? What purpose did that serve? Yeah, to yeah, you yeah. The, yeah. I, I you beg know. your
1: pardon. You did yeah. ask me that. What? Ward, for example, taught me how to keep it light. Ward taught yeah. me how to negotiate. Yep. Um, like I've never been able to before, uh, and, uh, and 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 really yep. uh, gave me some guidance in in a social sense as well, because I really was very very vague as a young uh, as a teenage boy. Uh,
0: it sounds like confidence is a big thing. It sounds like people like Gary, and a lot of the people. It sounds like sometimes you know people that are entertainers that are, you know really creative and funny. You know, they sometimes they're they're introverts in extrovert roles. Other times they're just shy. But you know, it's it's a different kind of personality switch. And a lot of times it's just someone to go. You know. I've got your back mate, you know. You're you're a right kid. you yeah. go and do your job and I'll look after you. Yeah. The, the more complaints we get the better. These kind of things. I mean, you know, Jeff Ellis said similar things to me. If right. I don't get if I don't get a complaint about your show today, you're fired right. mate. Right. You know, right in right. In, a, in a joking way. Yes, right? of course. And it sounds like the theme was, you know, with regards to people like, you know, Gary Rob and stuff. That kind of confidence. Yeah.
1: Definitely does help you, but talent knocks down that wall all the time. Yeah. Well, really, none of them, all of them, would have had anything to do with me if I had, anything to offer, had nothing to offer.
0: No, well, exactly, exactly. But they so, see that inside you. Yes, and I think that's what guides you know that early uh,
1: you know, attitude of, of graciousness from 3AK back in the early that's 80s right. and stuff. They were so lovely to me because they could see
0: that there was something there. And this, But this is my point, see, modern day, modern day yes. managers, modern day bosses, the question is, can, are they so um, involved in modern day radio and the pressures they have, which are real, yeah. commercial pressures, have they lost the ability, or not ever had the ability, to actually know and see inside? For example, you know, a young Bernie see inside you. I see something inside you, so right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna right. help that. And so, you know, what do you think with regards to modern-day modern radio? Modern-day, modern-day managers, can, can they are they the same as the kind of people that you, your career kind of you know grew up in?
1: Short answer: yes. Long answer: no. Because I think they're they're doing like what you just said is the best they can do with the resources at hand but
0: and it's a tough job
1: but it but it, it's become more of a technocrat type environment a lot of pds reflect Well, i'm not saying every pd but a lot of pd's reflect on numbers Kind of, you know, not much else. I can see that you can hear it that the station's uh, sort of like a little inspiration on air. And I, can I put my foot on it? My finger on? It? No, not necessarily. But I could if I thought about it for a little bit longer. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> you, you've got these great uh, dichotomies. Like you've got to, um, on on Gold FM, you know, an impossibly funny uh, Christian O'Connell breakfast show, which I was never anticipating was going to be that great, but it's pretty bloody funny. And uh, and then you, and then psh, over on Smooth, you roll through three songs. You know, and Mike Perso comes on. Mike's a lovely bloke. Known Great Mike guy, yeah. Many years. And uh, and, and uh, that was my impersonation of Mike Perso, by the way. Smooth FM. Good morning. It's quarter past eight. Mike Perso. Yeah, okay, Mike. Good on you. Settle down. And uh, and, and so uh, you, you, all, all these all these variants now um, that's right. that make that uh, difficult for them to be uh, anything but inspired. Unless you're doing like a show like Kennedy and Malloy or you're doing something that's specialised. Yeah. I think it probably is goes lacking.
0: Is there a point in, in your career, kind of you know, looking back, we've talked through it, where you think there's, a, there's kind of an era where it was, in your mind, kind of this, this is radio in its heyday, this is radio at its best, or haven't, we, or haven't we got there?
1: See, that's really tough because when I was a kid, I would hear guys go that were 25, 30 years older than me, like this, this is bloody garbage now, mate. You know, back yeah. in yeah. our day, we were bloody... Uh, it's know. a cycle. Yeah, yeah it is. It's cyclic. I think it's, it's, it's really hard to say. Tough call.
0: Well, that brings me to my next question. Is there a temptation among those who have, have worked in radio and potentially don't anymore, to, to look back at what they kind of call the good old days and, and lament over what radio has become, because you obviously said that there is a case. And Do you think that kind of hot air from grumpy old man is just that, or is there actually something in it? I think there's something in it from a point of view that, like, in the early
1: 90s, um, I was in Adelaide, and everything started to change uh, in a sense of how much they spent and uh, why they spent it. For example, you couldn't do a promotion unless there was a client attached to it. So, in other words, you know, uh, yeah. Woolworths presents the great thousand dollar giveaway or something, and, and so you would then have to coordinate with the sales team. Well, that's fine, but the sales team have got a job, and you've got a job as well. This is the programming team I'm talking about. Yeah, because I remember a time they'd go, "It'll cost us fifty grand." Great. Where is it? Oh, it's in the cupboard, you know. Like there was fifty grand around Never asked. Because, because the stations made a lot of money, and they knew that when they put money in, they won't get the money back. Blah, 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 you know. Uh, but there was this this whole uh, shift, uh, and and everything tightened up. And um, I think with the advent of uh, human resources, really tightened up uh, in a sense of communication and stuff because radio is very theatrical, yeah, and people in that kind of world, need to express that sometimes, and a, bit a hug or whatever, you know, but, you know, of course, I'm, I'm not one of these predatorial guys or anything like that, but, you know, and, I, and I, and I you know, I don't think it's important to make that distinction, but it's just, it was one of those things. Uh, it's kind of how it, it all changed. But I, I just remember it being something that accountants really didn't care too much about to, yeah. like, don't do anything without checking with the accountant type vibe more yeah. than, you know, anything. I don't know. I, I, I think that they just want more, you know, uh, yachts to water ski behind. And they kind of
0: do it, you know. We'll go and blame the accountants to do it, and get them to do it, you know. So, <laughs> at its core, what do you believe are the true strengths of radio as a medium? Forgetless, uh, it's this is an ageless question. Yeah, yeah it is, isn't it? Yeah. What, what do you think are the, the kind well, of strengths there?
1: I think immediacy. I think locality is really important. I think relatability is really important, and the ability to reach out to the community and kind of say, uh, you know, well, we're here, but we're not just here because we want to rate, we're here because we actually care, because we're members of the community, a bit like a McDonald's, Ronald McDonald House type vibe, Mm. uh, which you can still be cynical about, still, you know, there's there's only 10 cents, for Christ's sake. But it's that kind of um, thinking, I think.
0: And they're really interesting, because they sound so... Simple, but when you put it into practice today, take the localised side of, a, of a, of a let's say, a, a breakfast show. Right. Potentially you can fall into the trap of going, well, if our breakfast team, our comedians are from Melbourne um, and they just do jokes and stuff that's just funny but they don't really mention any suburbs or Melbourne, it's still local because the breakfast team's in Melbourne. Right. it's made in Melbourne. Right. Um, and and what I think is really important for what you've said is, and the great a great case in point is say say take hot tomato, right? Yeah, they have a let's say they have a fully non-networked, localized kind of format. Their breakfast show is, is uh, what they'd class as a – Maybe they'd say it's just conclu- their whole thing is over-localised, right? Right, and right. they rate really well, right? They do. And then you have you know reading uh, articles on the last survey, for example, and the you know the X ex, the XCD who's now at Triple M Dan Bradley talked about how he really thinks the power of localising that shift has really helped the station, right? And it's interesting because when I read it, I thought, hang on a second, here's a really smart programming guy who's now with a major network. That's right. Saying you know quoting yeah. Really, localising a breakfast show is what is the secret to its success. And the irony is, well, shouldn't every breakfast show be doing that? Well, I'm, I keep going to say, <laughs> duh, yeah, the whole time. But uh, I've asked you a question. You've said it. Well, before I asked you that question, people might have had their own answers and it might not have included that. Yeah, that's right. Oh, it's got to be funny. It's got to have famous yeah. people. You know what I mean? And yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's such a simple thing. But, it, but well, I, you know, I challenge
1: that kind of survey because those folks don't even realise that they're being localised when they're being localised necessarily. It's when it's taken away that right. you notice at the most. And uh, I don't know, Alan Jones is on air in uh, in uh, Brisbane now. A good example, I guess, uh, and I, I don't know this for a fact, but apparently 94.5 in Perth was uh, reluctant to put uh, uh, Kennedy Malloy on, uh, you know, for up to a year because, you know, they've got a localised vibe, you know, and Perth is, as we said earlier, mm. Perth. And, um, you know, they, they. and I don't know if it's rating or not, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but there was a concern from management that we're really going to piss people off because Everybody knows they come from Melbourne.
0: Yeah. And well, I'd have no job, mate. If they were networking nights, right? I never would have got to Perth. Right. Exactly. The only, the only way I got to Perth, yeah, was to do a local night show. That's right. Now, everyone listening to this knows that you know when I was doing it in Perth, it yeah. was a, it was a national hot thirty. By this, I think the small team. Let's see. Uh, started with Kyle, right, and it ended with Kyle and um, have you, I don't know oh, I any duos. A,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean.
0: Put it in perspective. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Tall girl.
0: Kyle and Jackie O networked yeah, across yeah, yeah. the country doing yeah, a Hot 30. Exactly. Here I am yeah. in Perth doing a local Hot 30. This right. Is, this is the Perth mentality. Thank God for Perth. God bless Perth. Yeah, I you agree. So, I agree. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, Perth. But is they
1: resisted country. for a long time, but in the end, yeah, did they? Or did they not?
0: Well, uh, you're absolutely right with regards to a lot of, uh, you know, kind of triple M or, or, or network programming. Yeah. Um, to say Perth had any decision in that is kind of a bit... Oh, uh, probably, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So I think you're right. Local, Localising is such a... And relatability, you're absolutely right. And so you've got both those because the life experience prior to radio gave you that relatability. Right. Life experience, jobs, and the idea growing up in, on radio where you could not voice track, it was all live, it was all local, you know, you had no other option. But to come up with content
1: and plus you had PDs that believed in you that you could pull it off um right. without you know too much padding that's yeah. right
0: when you listen to you know radio today i I'm, I'm certain you know i mean i know you listen to your favorite shows like stern but yeah. I, let's can we just talk locally for a yeah, moment sure. when you when you talk about you know australian radio what do you, what do you think cuz you're obviously a radio lover this is yeah. this is your life yeah well, what's your impressions it's broad well, we can talk about music radio specifically if you'd like, given it's your your career history, rather than say talk radio.
1: Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean I'm uh, I, I certainly don't know uh music uh much anymore because I'm not on on the wireless. Which and doesn't
0: matter when you listen to Gold or Smooth or sure. Nova or Triple M or whatever, whatever. Well, I think
1: What do you think? What I think, do you think I think it lacks experiment a little bit. I think it could be a little bit more uh challenging to the listener where they go Jesus Christ what is it oh yeah i mean there's I, I know that they spin around and i know that they every station has what's called they uh, call a universe but um i think possibly stations like that can tend to labor on the same tune by the same band over the same course of uh, you know days or weeks or something and that can really wear on you but but i think it needs to be a little bit more special i just i'm looking for something a little bit more special when i'm i'm listening to a local radio like that music wise
0: because you come from a you come from a mentality not an age this isn't an age thing but you come from mentality and so do I where for me you know radio is radio is a form of entertainment radio is not background noise and I think I don't want to get editorial but I w- I'd love to focus on on some music format radio a bit more specifically music announcing you this is your bread and butter career you started from nowhere and you rose through you, you I don't need to tell you about music announcing and from my point of view from when you were doing it and certainly when I grew up trying to trying to work out What on God's name will I say this time? That's How can I get someone's attention or, you know, whatever? When now, I feel like music announcing is selling. Right. Selling the breakfast show, selling the drive show, selling selling the current competition, selling the sponsor, the shift sponsor, station promotion. In other words, just about everything – on the radio in some form or another is is advertising. Not an issue. It's commercial radio. Know, it's called I know, I know. commercial
1: radio. But I think they should be housed in promos. I don't think they should be live uh, things, you know, as it were. Like the, the on-air announcer really shouldn't be reflecting back or, as it were, I don't think. I think they just put those in promos. Is this where you're going?
0: Well, that's exactly what I'm talking about. From What's your take on these? Well, look, I'm just going to call them kind of, you know, creative challenges. Not restrictions, but challenges placed on on modern day announcers because we come from a we come from a kind of obviously different um, career paths. We come from a mindset at its core. This is an ageless mindset that doesn't know what shift you do. Yeah, you can entertain, right. right? Right, and that's why we did it. Yeah, that's right. How do you read these? Because when you know people that do these jobs, how do you read these kind of creative restrictions on, on their ability to do what they really are there to do, which is you know, well, it's it's difficult
1: uh, because you know most times you've got to pay the rent. So you tend to toe the line, but I see – I, like, uh, you know, I, I, can, I can hear the lack. Unless there's a specialised program, no one's really doing anything outside of their box. And if they go outside their box, they're going to be in the box called the PD's office and then, you know, the next day you're out the door. So th- the stations are swallowed up in self-promotion, that's true. Um, I think one of the things that really got me about broadcasting, and I suppose uh, it's similar vein, is we used to give, as my friend Steve Woods would say, TV – we used to give TV a free kick. Like, every goddamn day we would reflect on what, the friend, what Friends was doing last night or what was on, uh, you know, The Bachelor last night or The Bachelorette or some bullshit. And that's all very well, but where, where's the leadership? You know, it's kind of like I should actually set the tone because I'm on here now and uh, I feel this way. I think this way. I, I don't know, but I'm going to set the tone and that would be it and and I was always, always used to fight against that and I think that's uh, something that's really just been swallowed up in cell station promotion and everything yeah. now
0: it's a real challenge isn't it because the people working in modern day radio they they all got into it for a reason and it's very similar to us they, yeah. you know, they enjoy that kind of you know communication they're entertaining yeah and again everyone in, in their team are all just doing their jobs doing their jobs well this isn't about them no i'm asking you a more broader philosophical question and and the idea the idea is we are almost at a reset Phase here, it's got to the point now where, in my mind, it's become so severe. Right, uh, you know, just a, a fifteen second announcing break is, is. I don't know if you'll see one on a log in your shift that right. isn't basically selling something.
1: And your point is, there's no opportunity for you to breathe anything that you might have that might that's have happened.
0: My point is, that's all you're doing.
1: I think uh, there's
0: ads. Bet- there's ads right between songs. Some are commercials, some are an announcer doing uh, ads, and, and
1: that. it dulls your spontaneity.
0: That's right. It helps and, 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 and your and creativity.
1: Well, let me tell you what drove me and insane was this penchant to, um, on a whiteboard, do the next two weeks of shows in advance and set them all up in a fucking nine o'clock meeting on a Monday morning after you'd finished the show. And what are we doing Tuesday? What are we doing Wednesday the 13th? And you're like, for Christ's sake. So those days would come back by, uh, and on air, uh, uh, on air, and on the Wednesday, the 13th, it's all mapped out in front of you. So you sit there going... <laughs> and you, you are expected that if something happens and you've got to drop everything, but you've still got that to go back to. Yeah. I don't need that to go back to because I've got enough in me to go back to. But that was very hard to convey and very difficult for yeah. folks to understand. I felt
0: putting aside breakfast and drive. So you know, can I ask you? You you agree there is value in in announcers, music announcers, not breakfast and drive, music announcers having the ability and the the creative opportunity to be entertaining. Oh God, yeah. Okay, and you think putting aside just our, our egos, right? You think that's actually reflective in the people that we're broadcasting to? Because my my vibe was always I don't give a shit what yeah. the people in this building think of my shift. Yeah, that's right. I care about what they think of yeah, my shift. Yeah, They're yeah, the yeah. ones, you know, calling, emailing, whatever. But they're the one. So, do, do you see well, the value? Is, or are we I, just – I definitely see the value. You look, think, I
1: mean, I know a bar is a different atmosphere, but you're sitting in a bar and you're chatting with a guy and you wouldn't sit there with a the guy and say, uh, I've got to tell you, Carlton United Breweries <laughs> have got a fantastic opportunity for us over the next 30 days. You can win prizes. Valued it. You know, I don't want to do – I you want to say, connect, how are you? You won't
0: connect to them, will you? No. And
1: they'll and and look at you like you've got some sort of disease and probably beat you up. And uh, well, at the pub I go to, they will, and 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 so you know, the, this is the reflection I try to get on air. I, you know, as simple as uh, Mike Walsh, the old entertainer on Channel Nine, was used to say, "Imagine you are talking to your mother." I, I mean, I, you know, well, I'd be arguing if I was doing that. But no. <laughs> so, so uh, but 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 I always felt, um, you know, you, you make a you make a greater contribution. If if you're left to just do your own thing, I did ended up doing my own thing when I was on air in uh, Adelaide doing drive. They let me do, they let me pretty much do anything. Yeah, but I would just pre-record stupid voices and talk to myself on the phone and all that sort of crazy stuff. Exactly. But then they would not get that uh, tomorrow morning on the SAFM breakfast show. Your chance to win a thousand dollars at seven twenty. You didn't have that, and that would be in a promo. So you'd hit a promo, yeah. and then Sorry. the ad would suffice for cross promotion but my yeah. job is to yeah, connect
0: I, I get it i get it yeah so because mm. you connect and people hear you and go i like this guy yeah. therefore i like this station therefore i'll listen to this station oh absolutely it's, it, it's it's so it almost sounds like i'm i should be taken to a, you know, a, a facility when i say stuff like that yeah no, that's right that's right but be- that's when I'm kind of what i've you know that's kind of one of the points of having a chat with you is because you know you've got this you've got this career behind you
1: and i've been in that facility <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so I'm I'm glad I'm glad <coughs> you know I've been able to to learn that from you that perspective is something you, you value I really yeah, feel, and I yeah. think look just briefly people like Digby at Triple M such a creative announcer and I think he's just ready to get you know to let loose I'm not sure if you've listened to Digby on oh, Triple M but he he's, I don't think I have no he's, it's really it's really quite fun he's a, okay. he actually pushes it in, okay. a, in a great way you know Gavin Gavin Miller at Gold yeah know, he's a, he's a great announcer yeah. I mean, there's, there's, you know, your mate Becco there's. Uh, Nine no, to There's But I, I. I would say. I would say
1: uh, <laughs> that Gavin Miller would possibly be the best music uh, presenter in the country. I would say. I've said that for a few years. I, I think he's like.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't excellent. think. I don't think you're wrong, but I,
1: I think Digby's right there. But I think you're absolutely. Yes. Right. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know Digby.
0: I don't think you're wrong with Gav though. And, yeah. But this is the thing that they're, they're there. Yeah. But they're. Being so tightly. Oh, yeah. So, They're so wound, yeah. All right. Well, and I guess the reason for this conversation is modern-day era, rise of digital, online, on-demand content, it's got the medium of radio at a crossroads, yep. clearly. I mean, yeah. we're, doing, we're doing an entertaining conversation, in my opinion, uh, right now, right? <laughs> and this, this, will, this can be listened to by anyone <laughs> yeah. on the planet at any time. And if we go back 20 years, that's an impossible scenario. Wherever they want, in the car, it right. doesn't matter where they listen to it, right. wherever they want, on what dice they want, and right. which one anywhere on the planet, okay? So radio stations are no longer, no longer required to access music. They're no longer required to access news or entertainment. Right. So podcasts, it's an example, what we're doing right now. You know, there's, the, the audience is there. Yeah. We provide them with an the experience. Right. If they want this experience, they come and get more. Right. They don't. They don't. Okay. Radio can't replicate this type of, you know. No. <laughs> so, but we both love radio. Yeah. Extremely well. It's, it, it is our, it's in our blood. That's right. So how do you think radio can survive and thrive in the modern on-demand era? What are your thoughts? Oh, this is the this, this is the ultimate question. It's
1: deep, dude.
0: Well, I've led you up to it, though.
1: Yes. Well, <laughs> um, that, that's your version of leading up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um Oh, jeez. It, it, it is very tough because I couldn't, as I said a minute ago, predict 20 years ago what we'd be doing right now and I can't predict what it's going to be like in 10 years or even five. It's, it's changed so much um, that it would be really hard to
0: – In its you, current form, the way it is.
1: In its current form, the way it is. We've
0: just talked it, about what it's like during the day. With-
1: well, it has listenership. Yeah. Radio has listenership. No question. And, 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 it, and it has consistent listenership. And one of the great things about radio is it rolls generationally. So, you know, I, you know, when I would be listening to David Ryman doing uh, nights on Today FM uh, in the 90s, you know, yeah. and getting into it because I was into the music, I couldn't give two shits about nights now, you know. So no. everything is generational. But and, there and, is a and, whole new audience for him. Yeah, well, and, not, but, well, not for David, but as it were.
0: And was he, he was great. And the idea yeah. is we – I, I want to know how radio can thrive. I want to oh. know how radio can survive. Because I think it's – you know, there, there's a crossroads. Yeah. This is what we're doing. It's available whenever you want. This is what radio is doing. Is that something that's sustainable? The way that's going. That's well, my question. It's
1: always been an intelligence gathering uh, expedition, or for radio p- programmers to, to put formats together and to make them succeed. Uh, you know, like it's always been quite a, a complex journey, and I think it's often reflective of stuff going on. But even more so now, podcasts going on will be somewhat reflective on what we hear on the radio. And, of course, we do hear now that I can listen to Jane Kennedy's podcast uh, on Triple M yep. uh, on the other thing, you know, uh, on the digital thing. And so that that does exist. And you can see that there's, a, there's a, um, a courtesy nod to the podcast world. I think you'll see the combination. I think you might see this sort of stuff on air. This is difficult because they've got to hold you for – several hours but try on that someone's doing this anyway with your podcast so you could do this on air yeah on the radio and you could hold people because how am i listening to your podcast a week from now i'm putting it on and then i'm running around the house cleaning shit and everything you know i'm wandering around which is what anybody's been doing for a century listening to general radio anyway
0: exactly and the idea too is that People listen to podcasts not because they have to, yeah, but because they want they to seek it out, yeah, and because it, it provides them with some sort of connection. In the end, it connects them in some way, right? Like crime, comedy, whatever. And this is the this is the overall point to, for radio to thrive and survive. Yeah, it must put at you know, in my opinion, at the top of its goals you know, to connect, right? To put connection first, right. And the other stuff will take care of itself. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, it does. And I think uh, you know when you consider, um, say, Howard Stern for example. Howard Stern. Howard Stern. I'll talk to Billy Joel for an hour. Yeah, right. And uh, and you'll learn incredibly uh, interesting things. And then I'll see Billy Joel on the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon and be like, "Hey, Billy, how you going?" <laughs> That's great, fantastic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll be right back after this. Yeah. That's it. That's right. Yeah. It's probably four minutes, and it's there's no depth. And I think that listenership for radio is starting to, because of this sort of podcasting, seek some more
0: depth. they become more sophisticated. The modern-day podcast audience yeah. is a radio audience.
1: Right, that's right. Um,
0: but, of course, they're more sophisticated now because they actually know what's real, what's genuine, yep. what's actually entertaining, and not what is a five-minute interview between kind of it's, breaks. It's evident so, in
1: so many ways. Yeah. Lots of ads, as I've just been goofing off, but ads used to sound like when we were kids, you know, like it's your chance to win thousand dollars. They're all up front right here now, you know, like Harvey Norman's got a sale this weekend, you know, or something. I mean it was it, it's it's completely transformed because we don't buy bullshit anymore. That's right. Yeah. And when Fallon's doing Billy Joel, it reminds me of those, you know, that, that jammed in fifteen second bit you've got to do. That's right. Otherwise, you know, I can listen to a podcast here an hour and a half. And
0: know? it's a great analogy. We'd much rather listen to Billy Joel and, and Howard Stern talk about amazing things we never thought we'd learn about them. Exactly and right. Why wouldn't, and we can we can do that in the car, at home, whenever we want.
1: So, yeah, I, I'm absolutely. Inspired very much by the, that kind of Howard Stern.
0: Howard Stern's a kind of a podcaster on air, really. Yeah. And, look, in the end, you know, we both utterly uh, love and, you know, a lot of our lives are kind of uh, built on, on radio and it's something we want to to thrive and continue. So, yeah. you know, this conversation is, is really all been about some perspectives on what's worked. You right. Know, what, right. what actually is great radio and where it is now yeah. and, and where it needs to, to go and what we're doing right now. We're, you know, we're, we're broadcasting to the planet in our own form, take it or leave it. Right. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a new era. It's a new yeah. modern, modern era. And it's a great, it's great for people that want to be entertained and, and connected. And I really I really thank you for your time. It's been, it's been a fantastic conversation. It's been amazing. I wish I could say the same.
1: I really do. <laughs> you know, it just hasn't worked out for me at all. But, um, but it's been great seeing you. No, I, I, I love you, Ryan. You know that. And, you know, I always thought that you would be an actor. You, 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 always, insp- you always give me the – you've got a great presence. And I've always thought this guy, when you were a kid, I knew you when you were a kid, good act- you'd be a good actor.
0: But have you ever done anything like that? Well, actually, when I, when I left Perth – Yes, and I came back to to Melbourne. I travelled for a bit, and then I um I went I actually went to acting school. Oh, I did acting school. I've nothing I did, further
1: for this witness, you runner. Yeah,
0: I did Sixteenth Street acting school, mate. So yeah, I did that. It was it was extremely hard and confronting. Yes. And uh, you know I I completed my acting school, and uh, you know I got an agent, and uh, I didn't get a single job.
1: Right. So why? Okay. And, and, and and that's uh, the
0: answer to. Your question: Why didn't I become an actor? Well, you got to get jobs.
1: Yeah, you do. I think you do. Well, look. Can you've I got a lot- say
0: this though? Mm-hmm. I th- I thought you know what? I've got to just keep momentum, keep moving forward. You know, when I, I continued in my passion for radio. Everyone I went to acting school with, some it's almost ten years ago now. Ah. Uh, I'm only just seeing two or three of those classmates in ads now. My point is, right? If I stuck at it, if I kept with my agent and stuck at it for ten years. Mm-hmm. You might be seeing me in ads. I might. Now, it takes 10 years. This is what people don't realise. 10 years to get these ads. Yeah. And the ads get TV and the TV get movies. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, I do. It's an extraordinary career. It's an extraordinary industry and and –
1: that's but it leaps around in various ways. Some people start and uh, and do two thirds, three eighths of fuck all on their superstars, exactly. Uh, like a you know, like a uh, like a Chris Hemsworth or someone like that. Um, just happened to be in the in the joint at the time, mate. They went, yeah, you might as well audition, <laughs> mate. Yeah, you look pretty good, mate. You know. So I hope that blows me away. But then you're absolutely right. You do have this period. But I, I saw you like. And of course, I still see you, and I still think you could do it, if you, even if you uh, you've got a lot of other things on, of course. But um, and you got a baby and everything now. Um, but you know, just doing like like on neighbours or, or home and away, I mean one of those run of the mill. You know, we because you've got a good look and you've got a good presence. And uh, even though that didn't work the first time, in your opinion, I still don't think you should toss it.
0: Well, that's extremely kind of you. Thank hey, you very much. I appreciate I'm doing it. Here. Hey, Byrne, thanks for having me. Thanks, Orion. Let's do this again soon. All right, I'm going to check the silverware too before you leave. Thanks again to my guest on this episode of Intensely Inquisitive, the great Bernie Britton. And I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Intensely Inquisitive. My hope is that it's empowered you in some way through learning new things, inspiring you to learn more, having a laugh, or simply sparking interesting, deeper conversations. I look forward to continuing this conversation with you, so feel free to like the Orion Kelly page on Facebook. And if there's a topic or question you'd like me to explore in an upcoming episode of Intensely Inquisitive, please message me or post it on the Orion Kelly Facebook page. Until next time, keep asking questions. Thanks for listening to Intensely Inquisitive with Orion Kelly. For more episodes and to stay up to date, like the Orion Kelly page on Facebook.